Welcome to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast, a show helping you find better ways to live, run, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. The website for the show is paleorunner.org. I wanted to let you know that I'm offering coaching through Google Helpouts, over Skype, and on the phone. I've been running for 17 years, and I've learned that by running less and focusing on key workouts, you can reduce injuries while getting faster. Over the past couple of years, I've set personal records in the 5K through marathon while running less than 25 miles per week. If you're interested in getting help running faster on less mileage, go to paleorunner.org coaching and schedule a help out with me. I'm talking today with Tani Prezak. Tani is an endurance athlete, coach, trainer, model, and host of Endurance Planet. Tani, it's great to have you on the show. What's up, Aaron? I want to thank you so much for having me on. I've been a fan of your podcast for a while now, and I was like sad that you disappeared for a while. I didn't know where you went. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm back now. And, you know, one of the first questions I like to ask my guests lately is, what have you had to eat today so far? Oh, my gosh. Actually, I had one of my like random yet amazing breakfasts. Um, I did a bike trainer workout this morning. So, okay, let me as with a lot of your guests, it kind of what I eat for breakfast is dictated sort of by what I do activity wise or what's on the schedule that day for activity. Um, this morning I did a trainer session actually before I ate breakfast and, uh, it wasn't that hard or anything, just kind of like a mellow little spin. Um, so then breakfast consisted of an avocado, a full one, cause it wasn't like the biggest avocado, a couple eggs and sautéed veggies and coconut oil. Or actually, no, I take that back. It was butter, not coconut oil. Um, grass-fed butter. The veggies were kale, of course. You know, kale nation these days. Yeah. Um, little mini baby squash, like little mini zucchinis and stuff. Oh my gosh, I get these from the farmers market and they taste phenomenal. Um, and then the random part of it <laughs> was a huge, huge couple spoonfuls of Rao's pasta or marinara sauce. That stuff is like crack to me. It is so good. I've never been like <laughs> one to really hone in on like a pasta sauce or anything, but have you tried Rao's pasta sauce? I, I haven't. What, where do you get that? I, I get it at Whole Foods. It's a little on the expensive side and it's actually not even organic, but it's made with super quality ingredients and you can taste the difference. It's so good. Oh my gosh, you got to try it. Well, so I, yeah, I mix that together with the avocado and then um, mix in the eggs and the veggies and bam, pretty good stuff right there. Wow, that sounds great. So I, would you say, are you following like a paleo style, style diet or what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I would say like if I had, I'm very anti-diet, you know, Matt Fitzgerald whole like diet cult sort of thing. Like I'm anti-diet, but I am all about clean eating and staying away from processed junk and just, you know, getting back to like what food was once and trying to just keep it like natural like that. You know, I spend every Saturday um, that I'm in town, which is, you know, most weekends, um, I'll spend an hour going to our local farmer's market and pretty much buying all my produce and sometimes even meat from there uh, to have all on hand. I just, you know, I try to keep it like simple like that and keep food simple and not complicated and not a lot in the pantry, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, the hard things about having a bu- busy lifestyle like you do is, you know, preparing foods and even just taking time to chop up vegetables can take time. So what are some tips that you could give to the listeners to kind of, you know, have those meals fast and ready to go? Do you have any ideas for that? 
Oh yeah. And you know, that's probably like one of the biggest things when I start working with athletes that I coach, um, you know, I, I, I kind of like, you know, we'll, they'll hire me for triathlon, but little do they know they're going to be getting like this person who's now like analyzing their diet and their whole way of eating. And, you know, a lot of cases it's changing those things for the better. And the number one thing I get in resistance, um, not really resistance, but like, uh, like a red flag is like, I don't have time to do that. But my argument is, and Aaron, you probably know this too with the way you eat if you're paleo. It's like, it's actually like, as long as you plan ahead and you have stuff on hand, I think it's even easier to make dinners, for example, that are more paleo-ish than a lot of, you know, the traditional like pastas, lasagnas, like, I don't know, whatever you're making. Because if you have the stuff on hand, like for example, like I said, like I go to the farmer's market Saturday, I buy all my produce, I make sure it's washed, cleaned up, put away in containers and stuff, um, glass containers in the fridge, bam, it's all there. Um, what I get just depends on what's in season. Like right now they're just getting Brussels sprouts back and I'm stoked because that's like my favorite vegetable. Um, and then for dinners, I mean, you just break it down into like a few basic things. And I'm like a huge fan of like just one pan stir fryish kind of meals. Um, I actually like am at the gym working with clients until 7 p.m. on most nights. So when I get home, dinner is not made. No one is making it for me. And I want to have dinner on the table by 7.30, basically. Um, yeah, and that's even kind of late. But so like you get your vegetable, you, you know, chopping doesn't take too long. And broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, you know, peppers, onions, anything like that. Um, you know, I like to at least try to have like two or three veggies in the mix, throw it in the pan with either coconut oil or butter, uh, stir fry that. I'll usually throw in, um, some minced garlic, fresh garlic, and then whatever protein we have for the night. If it's chicken thighs, which I don't do chicken breasts anymore. I only do chicken thighs cause they're so much better. Um, right. we'll, we'll barbecue those. And, but if it's like fish, uh, you know, I'll do that. I'll saute that in butter and lemon on the pan, in a separate pan. And if it's grass fed beef, um, ground beef, usually I'll just throw that right in with the veggies and mix that in. And honestly, like that's pretty much, I'd say 90% of our dinners. And then if it was a heavy workout day or something that, you know, we're both hungry my boyfriend and I, and we need a little bit more carb or want a little bit more carb. Um, I always have either something like, um, buckwheat groats that I've pre-soaked or pre-baked sweet potatoes or spaghetti squash that I will kind of, um, you know, think in advance, like, oh, you know, we're going to be hu- super hungry tonight. So, like, make sure to throw the spaghetti squash in the oven during the day so it's ready at night, um, you know, or something along those lines. You know, well, sometimes even I'll have, like, some non-GMO corn tortillas on hand, you know, if we need a little just a little something extra, you know what I mean? But it's, it really honestly just comes down to planning in advance. So the stuff is already there. So when you get home and you're pulling your hair out and you're tired and you just want to eat, like it's just bam, you can do it in less than 30 minutes. Yeah. Those are some great tips, Tani, but I'd like to talk a little bit about how you got interested in endurance sports in the first place. Tell me how you got started. Yeah. So, um, I was at San Diego state and I was going to college there and I was realizing that partying was, uh, you know, great and all, but I I wanted to get back to my roots of being an athlete. I've always been active. I've always been outdoorsy and, you know, go getter competitive for sure. Um, and just, it was sort of by chance that I found triathlon. I was starting to go to like a spin class, starting to run. And I definitely was not swimming, but the spin class, 
uh, there was a teacher there and she actually was a coach for triathlon. And there was a few people in the class that did triathlon and I kind of got introduced to this concept. And I was like, I'm doing this. Like, I didn't really understand it all at this point, but I was just like, I am doing that. And I did my first triathlon in July, 2007. So I kind of started training for it in 2006 um, and after I did my first, I, I mean, I remember that day, July, 2007, it was Solana beach sprint triathlon and it forever changed me. I was completely in love with the sport, everything about it. It was like one of the greatest days of my life, like one of the greatest races of my life, not, you know, performance speaking, but just how it changed me. And it changed the whole path of my life. Um, it, I, you know, at the time I was a journalism major and that's kind of like where I was going career wise, but you know, it wasn't long before I switched that and decided that I needed a career in this sport. Uh, I wanted to coach. I was so interested in performance and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, um, my own athletic career sort of took off. I just got really, really into doing tons and tons of races. And I'm, I'm sure this is something you're going to ask me about, but p- p- perhaps uh, maybe more races than I should have done and not enough resting in between. But, <laughs> you know, you, you love something, you just keep doing it. Right. Um, and then also, you know, just taking a career path of wanting to coach other athletes and help them and doing it the right way. You know, I went back to grad school and got a master's degree in kinesiology and studied human performance and physiology and all that kind of stuff. You know, I didn't just go to like a weekend seminar and get a certification and call myself a coach sort of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Tani, it's that you mentioned there that you started racing perhaps a little bit too much. And in a recent blog post, you said mm-hmm. that you actually uh, were a little bit burnt out. Can you tell me a little bit more about what happened? It's so interesting because, you know, it's there's so many variables that go into this, like so many variables. So, you know, if people are listening and they're like, oh, you know, like I'm struggling too, it's like you may have similar situations that I have. And a lot of people are kind of in the same boat. I think female endurance athletes are even probably a little bit more vulnerable to some of these issues. But everyone's like history and where they've come from is going to play a role into what sort of, uh, you know, is that make or break sort of point. Um, and so for me, like I have been doing triathlon pretty much nonstop since 2007. And I, you know, I wasn't ever really like hardcore Ironman focused, mostly like 70.3 was like my distance and it will be my distance once I get back to more racing again. I'm, you know, Ironmans are just hard to train for. And I've done a couple, um, and, in 2013, I was training for Ironman Tahoe and also training for 70.3 Worlds, which were going to be within two weeks from each other. I had also done another 70.3, um, a couple 70.3s earlier in the year and, you know, some just various events. And um, I wasn't taking adequate off seasons, in my opinion, uh, now that I look back at it. Uh, and also I was letting, as my schedule was getting busier with work and everything, I was just always go, go, go. And even though I'm completely like happy and in love with the sport and in love with my job, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of stress on the body, a lot of stress on the mind to just always kind of be like on like that. And then, you know, training for a full Ironman, it's a, it's a taxing thing. If you want to be ready for that distance, there's no way to avoid it. Um, I think there's a healthy way to do it, but you know, you really have to look at your whole entire lifestyle. And I think I was just doing a lot. Um, I also was, you know, probably experimenting a little bit with the whole like low carb thing, like a lot of us have. And, you know, partly my fault, partly a mistake. I think at times I was going a little too low carb for maybe some of the training that I was uh, putting on myself. 
And it sort of took a toll. And for females, again, like these are the things that we have to be very careful with. I am not a fan of necessarily counting calories nor counting grams of carbs and fat and protein and all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of athletes, endurance athletes are so type A and so obsessed with that kind of data, like through their training and stuff, you don't really want to add another, you know, thing to have to track at that intricate level. And I myself do not track calories or carbs. But I think maybe too, like looking back, like maybe I should have at least been a little bit more careful with the carb intake at times because I think I dipped a little too low and um, it took a negative impact on my body. Now, I'm not saying I was like super, super low carb either because keep in mind, like during training and stuff, uh, long rides, like I'm eating bonk breakers, you know, I'm still eating like sweet potatoes. Um, I was gluten-free, but I was still eating gluten-free grains like buckwheat um, or, you know, gluten-free pastas, rice, things of that nature. But it just wasn't enough for what I was doing in my body. So again, that gets back to the idea, like you just have to look at the unique person. What's the situation? What is that person putting on themselves? I think for me too, like the fact that I hadn't maybe had adequate rest going into some of that, like, uh, higher level training stuff, you know, just all sort of played a role. And I, I kind of, I kind of broke. Um, I, I, I just saw a sharp decline in performance, not just in racing, but in my training. And then I started to see my ability to have the energy to work at the level I wanted to starting to suffer. And that's when I was like, uh, uh, like, you know, all these things, like I got to make a change. And I, I didn't want to put myself on the path of destruction, uh, and it's it's been a really interesting journey because it took a while for it for me to kind of look back and be like, holy crap, like, look at all this that's happened. I need to fix myself. And I want to be a great example for other people and know that, you know, I love sport. I love competing, but I'm willing to rest and change things in order to keep my body healthy and I've thankfully had some great mentors and a lot of these people I've met through my podcast, Endurance Planet, like Phil Maffetone for one, um, Dr. Minkoff, who's our you know doctor specialist who comes on the show, and even Lucho, my co-host, who's probably one of my best friends in the world at this point, uh, people who have really you know been on my team and supported me. And um, it's been a really interesting journey. And I, I, I will be, ha- I'm very, very happy to report that like, although I'm not racing currently right now, um, I will, you know, get, definitely get back into it. I've completely reversed all the negative things that were starting to take place in my health and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, that's great. So it, it, Tony, it sounds like you had a lot going on there. So you were pretty much burnt <laughs> out from training. You're, you're eating too low carb. And, you know, people listening might be thinking, okay, you're an expert, so how are they going to know if they're too low-carb? So what are some of those things that you learned from your, um, these mentors that you've had with as far as what to do different in the future? Um, you know, how many carbs should someone be eating and how much should they be training? Yeah, these are great questions for sure. And, again, I think everyone's going to be slightly different. I have some female athletes who do pretty decent on, uh, you know, a relatively low carb diet. And I have some female athletes, uh, you know, who are much more traditional and are fine with that too. And, you know, they're showing that they're performing well and they don't really have the desire to go like, you know, uh, semi low carb or even gluten free for that matter. Um, I, I will say I, in my experience working with people and talking with people, um, consulting with people that guys can get away with a little bit more than girls. Girls have to be much more careful because we have, you know, our female hormones and cycles to be, 
uh, wary of. And so like, if you're looking for symptoms, if you think that maybe you've sort of hit the wall, you know, you're trying to eat clean, you're trying to eat paleo, you're trying to just not have chronic inflammation caused by, you know, sugar and all that kind of stuff, like traditionally feeling for endurance sports would entail. Um, so that's fair. And you want to choose the health side of it, but if you're finding that, you know, you're not recovering the way you used to, you're moody and bad moods are much more frequent, you're seeing a decline in performance. And this is, you know, I'm a huge fan of keeping a training log. And I, even though uh, I don't personally have a coach at this moment in time, I still write in my training peaks every single day. To, and I talk a lot about how I feel. Um, so if you can like look back and see like, you know, a shift in where things happen in your training and things started going downhill, um, those sorts of things or, you know, even an inability to lose weight can be a symptom um, that could show, you know, huge disruption in hormonal imbalance and why that would happen. You're like, OK, this is crazy. I'm barely even any eating any calories or at least I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm not eating over over calorie. Um, I'm, you know, low carb, paleo, all this kind of stuff. Yet I'm like not losing weight. Uh, you know, for females, again, like you'll see disruptions in your cycle. Uh, this can even even go beyond just endurance athletes, too. I think some females who go just too low carb, I've read this on paleo um, websites and forums and stuff and po- heard it on podcasts, like you could lose your cycle. Um, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think the paleo diet done correctly and kind of like your, like as Chris Kresser said, like advocates, uh, your, you know, unique paleo code, mm-hmm. I think it can help a woman thrive and be the best possible. Um, you just got to do it right. It's not just about restricting carbs and restricting calories. Um, I think blood testing and blood work and saliva testing, all that kind of stuff, if you start to suspect a problem, or even if you don't, just so you can set baselines, are great ways to go. I've been getting blood tests every year, uh, starting around like 2009, I think was when I was consistent with it annually. And it's great to be able to have that data to track once a year. Um, it helped me a lot in my journey to be able to go back and look at what my numbers were to what they turned into. And now looking back to what they've, you know, improved to be, um, and then speaking to the idea of specific carbs and, you know, this is where it gets a little tricky because it really is going to depend on the person, um, you know, the body composition, the activity level, all these kinds of things. We've talked about it on sports nutrition shows with Ben Greenfield on my show, but, you know, if you're looking at general numbers, like I would say that, Less than 20% carbs out of your total daily calories is going to be relatively low carb. I'm a fan of, you know, anywhere between 20 to 30% of your calories coming from carbohydrate. 5 to 10% is going to be pretty super low carb. And that's where you're going to be um, likely going into ketosis if that's a goal, which, you know, some people will thrive off ketosis. Personally, I don't think it's a smart direction to go. Um, and then you know, only on extreme days do you want to maybe up your carbs to 40% or so. Uh, and so if you're looking at grams and everything, uh, you know, 50 to 100 grams of carbs, that's low carb. I think somewhere, you know, 100 to 150 is okay, gram speaking. Uh, and that would work out the way you do the math there is you multiply uh, that uh, each gram by four, and that's how many calories come from carbohydrates. So like 100 to 150 grams of carbs would be like 400 to 600 calories worth of carbs. So if you're just depending on whether you're looking at it through grams or through, uh, you know, nutrition labels on calories, you can do it that way. And then, of course, if, you know, you're having big training blocks, 
big training days, race days, all that kind of stuff. I think there's a time to just completely let go and just do what you need to do to fuel. I'm still a fan like of, you know, a little bit more of the idea of like, you can train a little bit low, have some fasted sessions, uh, when it comes to carbohydrate, but on race day, you know, stock up, like feel the machine. You can still have like some fat based fuels on board. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, a little bit of sugar, a little, some carbs, they're going to, they're going to help you perform for sure. Right. Right. And you know, in that blog post, you mentioned that you had worked with Chris, uh, Chris Kelly to get some lab tests done. Um, Chris was on the show a while back and he, he recommended a ketogenic diet is, so how does that work? Um, I mean, what was that like working with him? Yeah. So Chris is awesome, by the way. Um, he's such a fun guy and he, he's getting a great little podcast, uh, the momentum behind nurse bounce. Sorry, podcast really, uh, it's thriving too. I love it. Um, and he reached out to me. He found me through endurance planet. I love this podcast world, by the way, this like family of all of us. It's like, we're all buddies. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) It is awesome. Um, so he, you know, he's had an interesting journey himself. I'm not, I'm sure he's talked about it on his show before, but he has found for himself that a ketogenic diet is actually something that works for him. And he's, he's thriving. He, his numbers are better than ever when he looks at his test, his, you know, he's a pro mountain biker and he's doing well. So for, you know, there's an example of someone who likes that ketogenic route. Um, I'll be honest, like I, in my own journey last year, when I was talking about accidentally going a little too low carb, uh, around the time I got, um, organic acids test done via Chris's business, Nurse Bound Thrive, it actually had markers showing that I was like semi in a state of ketosis at that point, which was complete shocker to me. I was like, that is not something I necessarily intended to do whatsoever. And I don't think that direction is a route I would ever intentionally go again. And I've absolutely made changes from that second forward moving forward to not be there because I just found that that for my unique makeup was not the right direction to go. But this is where the testing really can come in to help you figure things out. Like that organic acids test that I mentioned, that one actually pinpointed things that I wasn't even like really kind of on my radar until last year, for example, or or this year, I'm sorry. Um, Like I, uh, your gut health and how that plays a role in all of this. That's something, you know, you're, we're seeing much more of it in podcast world and health, the health world and all that kind of stuff. But I really grasped this year how much that really does make a difference. And that organic acids test, for example, it's just a simple urine test, but it can tell you a lot about what's going on that a blood test alone will not tell you. Um, so I'm great. I'm, I'm very happy to see guys like Chris out there, uh, you know, promoting these functional health tests. We did a webinar together, actually, if you want to, um, I'll, I'll send you the link. You can put it in the show notes or something. Yeah, that'd be uh, great. He actually, uh, visual, we, it was a visual and you can listen to audio too, but we brought up my test results on the webinar and kind of went through it as if I was getting a consultation. But, you know, Chris wasn't like, Tawny, you need to go ketogenic because he saw that what I was presenting and that was not the answer for me. So you have to just look at the individual and figure out where you're at, what, you know, what's going on and what are the right steps for you, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So can you report that you're feeling better at this point? Oh my gosh. It's, it's incredible. Um, you know, I've made some changes and I'm not saying that I'm completely back to normal yet. I, I think part of me is like, I'm so antsy to start, uh, you know, kind of getting back to some training and stuff. And I'm still exercising, you know, pretty much every day. But my exercise and my perception of it, it's, it's, it's changed a lot. I think 
I used to be much more data oriented and having to achieve, you know, what I considered like my normal, like ability of running, swimming, biking, whatever. But now I'm just much more go with the flow. Um, another part of this that I haven't, uh, I'm working on a blog on this one is, you know, overcoming some biomechanical issues. And I, I thankfully have not really an injured person, but I found that I let my body kind of just get weak in certain areas. You know, I despite what you guys may think, like I actually sit at a or am at a desk for a large portion of the day. And especially in my earlier days as a journalist, I'd let kind of like my posture go to down the drain and that kind of stuff. So I've been actually working a lot on fixing my body in that sense too, on more of the biomechanical, like physical sense. Um, and I've found things like yoga and stand up paddle boarding and all that. And just like really like detailed functional movement in the gym, not like just hardcore heavy lifting has made a huge difference. And I, I'm very much a believer that you need to build the foundation and get things right if you want to be able to perform to your potential. And I'm I'm really excited that, you know, my, I feel like I've made some big gains in that sense this year too. So it's kind of been like these two paths that I've been on. Like one is like you're covering my health and feeling better like that. And the other is getting my body, like the structure, the foundation uh, undoing all these imbalances that endurance sport and, you know, the modern lifestyle had, uh, you know, put a negative effect on me. You know, you're sitting in the arrow position on the bike. And for a lot of people, uh, they're just kind of letting their shoulders scrunch up and their neck and their traps, um, and upper back are just in complete, they're just completely locked up and just full of tension, um, and then that transfers over to then you're sitting in your car and you're hunched over there and then you're sitting at your desk and you're hunched over there and it's just like all this stuff adds up and you're just like, ah, uh, <laughs> so working on that as well. So, um, I've, your question originally, like, am I feeling better? Yeah, I'm feeling really, really awesome. Uh, you know, every day it's, you know, kind of a fun new journey. I think the problem with me right now, I'm enjoying all these like random things I'm doing, like the yoga and the stand up paddle boarding and that I think my biggest issue is just committing to like a training schedule again <laughs> to get back into like the shape that you know I know I can be in for sport but I have so I think I just need I have a few races uh that I'm kind of eyeballing for the future season and once I maybe narrow that down maybe that'll help uh get me into some structure again okay Tani so you mentioned that you're interested in getting back into training and you're also a coach so let's say someone listening to this wanted to hire you to help them out uh, set a PR and a half marathon or marathon or something like that what is your general overall philosophy of coaching how are you gonna start out uh, helping someone well okay so um, I give out a questionnaire to people and I spent a lot of time developing this questionnaire and I've even had I think a couple of people say to me, wow, you now know more than my spouse knows about me <laughs> uh, through this questionnaire because I've had people come to me saying like, oh, can you just write me like a six month plan or a three month plan or whatever for this race? And I'm like, I don't do that. I, I, I just don't like that's never the coach I wanted to be. And so like there's not there's absolutely no one size fits all with the way I approach things. And I think sometimes that will scare athletes. Uh, but I am a big believer of just looking at the individual and what that individual is presenting to me. Um, again, like I, even more than ever right now, I'm a huge fan of just starting from the foundation. Like, where are you in your journey of like functional movement and what do you bring to the table in terms of your strength and just 
mobility and stability and all that. And if you're lacking in those areas, you know, I'll put you through some screens and you don't even have to be local. Like we could do it Skype and it's super effective. If you're lacking in some key areas, there's no reason I'm going to go have you, you know, running 10 plus miles next Saturday. We got to, we got to fix those things because they're either going to do two things. They're either going to turn into an injury um, or they're going to not allow you to reach your potential because you've developed this bad habit that has you locked up in one way or the other. And you're never going to be the athlete you could be if you continue to just kind of run in that imbalanced or um, immobile kind of way or this weird, awkward way. Uh, I'm not saying everyone needs to run perfectly with this beautiful midfoot, forefoot strike. But if you're lacking basic, you know, for example, hip extension or hip flexion, which a lot of people are. Um, or if you, you know, have the duck foot syndrome and you're all chronically towed out in that sense, those things do not promote efficiency. And I want to get people to feel good, perform well, and, um, you know, walk away a better person, a more well-rounded person rather than just walking away with necessarily a PR or something. Um, so, you know, we work on that kind of stuff. I also, I'm a, I, I do as best I can to get people to do, um, blood work and all that kind of stuff. And, I know sometimes it gets tough depending on what your insurance situation is and all that, or, you know, some of these functional tests, you know, I'm not going to lie, they're not cheap, but it's an investment in you. You know, Dr. Minkoff once said to me, he's like, it's the best thing you could ever buy for yourself. So, you know, I know the holidays are approaching. So if people want to buy presents for themselves, functional testing, it's a great one. Um, So, you know, we talk about all these kinds of things and that's before we even get to, the nitty gritty of like how to plan a week, how to plan a schedule and how to periodize for your race. It's, it's the foundation. Um, and it's a little untraditional and I probably will also be a coach that is not going to be pounding on huge volume and huge miles. Uh, and if there's times or weeks that, you know, that's necessary, those will be, you know, we'll, we'll really kind of sit down and like plan, um, carefully for that, but they're not going to be, I'm not just like, yeah, go out. And, you know, if you feel like end up running, you know, more than I said, no big deal. Like I, I want to keep people healthy and it's a really, really tough thing to keep healthy. And, you know, at that pointy end, like performing at an elite level, it's a, it's a tough thing to try to balance and achieve. But, um, I think we can all, you know, try to strive to, be better at performance, health, you know, biomechanically, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I, I kind of approach my coaching in that sense. Okay. So it sounds like it's a pretty individual level basis that you're really working with people. Yeah, it is. And so, you know, I don't really take on that many clients as a result. Uh, it's just, I get really invested in the people that I talk to and, you know, it, I try to, I'm trying to make it more even like a family too. Like we're now doing like a group coaching call together just so we can kind of get everyone in the know of each other and involved with each other in a little bit. Um, and you, you know, I, I, I talk to people on a regular basis, whether email or phone and we have fun. We definitely have fun. And I, I, I strive to get to know about their lives. Like they're not just a name and with a race at the end of, you know, this time period that we're going to be knowing each other, they're going to be someone who's part of my family, as I like to say. Right, right. So Tani, we're coming up to the end of the show here. And one of the the last questions that I like to ask people is if you had three months to train, and you didn't have any other obligations, how fast do you think you could get your mile time down to? Oh, shoot. Well, um, I would have to look at the Jack Daniels calculator to help me with that one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I mean, I've 
I could probably go five minute mile faster than five minute mile, I guess, if I really tried for it. Um, oh, nice, nice. So you're you could be, be uh, Phil Maffetone was at five twenty nine, so you'd be well ahead of him. Oh yeah, I'd kick his butt. Nice. <laughs> no, I actually have no idea. I have never really thought about that. I'm. I think I actually have a good amount of potential um, for shorter distances, but it's never really the shorter stuff has never really like kind of been my thing. I want. I've wanted to, you know. Um, I'm I'm more like seventy point three. Like that's the that's the uh, distance that I want to focus on. I think if you know, I still have unfinished business that I want to achieve for myself. Going sub five and a half Ironman. I've gone five oh one twice in a half Ironman. Can you believe that? Wow! Wow! Um, so I'm like so close. So that's m- more where my head is when I think about those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure I could get pretty fast on a mile if I tried. Okay. But, Okay. Well, you know what? We've got Brian McKenzie at 4:59, TJ Murphy at 4:59. Uh, I'll put you down for 4:58, and you can edge them out. Holy crap! Okay, now I don't know. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not quite there. Maybe I like did the math wrong on that. Actually, okay, wait. Let's. If I, I could. Okay, maybe I'm probably better off at like a 5:10 to 5:20. That may be a little bit more realistic. Okay. Me. Okay. All Based right, Tony. Like- <laughs> That's a good question, though. Well, it was fun talking with you, and I just want to say thanks so much for sharing about your nutrition and training strategies with all the listeners. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's been awesome coming on. And honestly, you know, to everyone listening out there, it's everyone's all kind of on their own unique journey. And to kind of figure out where you're at now or where you want to be, it's, you know, there's no one size fits all. There's no how there's no secret to like how many grams of carbohydrates you need or things like that. You can do it wrong. You can do too much or too little, of course, but everyone's going to be slightly different. And hopefully, you know, I'm, I like to share my story and I'll, you know, continue to share more just to inspire people to take charge of their health and be aware of these things rather than waiting until it's too late you know yeah great advice tiny thanks for listening to another paleo runner podcast if you like podcasts you're also going to like audible.com audible has over a hundred thousand titles to choose from for your iphone kindle android or mp3 player you can even burn a cd of the audiobook if you like it's a great way to learn while you're driving in the car or cleaning up around the house one of the great things about audible is that if you decide that you don't like the book you've downloaded You can actually exchange it for another one. They want you to be happy with your order. If you'd like to get a free audiobook download, sign up at audibletrial.com slash paleorunner. You'll get a free audiobook download that you can keep regardless of whether you continue with the service or not. So go to audibletrial.com slash paleorunner. Thanks for listening.